There is so much happening in college athletics right now, but one thing that is always present is the world of NIL. We're going to dive in and dissect the landscape on many levels, and it all starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is November 28th, 2022. I am Missy Heydrich, the National Women's Basketball Correspondent at The Next. Thank you so much for being here with us. And thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Today, we are going to dive into one of the hottest topics in all of college athletics name, image, and likeness, the world of NIL. It has been a huge past week. I hope everyone had an awesome Thanksgiving. College basketball, women's and men's, college football, the NCAA volleyball selection was yesterday. NCAA soccer is underway. There's a ton going on in the world of college athletics. We know that NIL affects every sport and every school across the country, but there are so many layers that you need an expert to help explain all of it. So today we are going to talk about what has been happening in the world of NIL. What are collectives? What do athletic directors and university leadership really think about all of this going on on their campus? What are their questions? And as we like to talk about here on Lockdown Women's Basketball, how are female student athletes and especially those of women's basketball benefiting in this ever-changing landscape? I am so happy here to have today to bring his wisdom to our podcast is Mitt Winter, one of the top collegiate sports law minds in the nation. Mitt is with the Kenny Hertz Perry Law Firm here in Kansas City and is a leading NIL attorney. And just so happens to be a basketball nerd, probably like me, as a former Division One basketball player himself at William & Mary. Mitt, thank you so much for being here. And you and I, we had a ch- I talked to you um, about a year ago, maybe 18 months, not long after NIL had kind of hit uh, the universe and, and kind, of sto- kind of took everything by storm, um, kind of thinking that once we got a year into this or 18 months, that the landscape would change. Things would have a different feel to it as everybody navigates what this means. As you look back at this first 18 months or so, what strikes you as the things that have stood out the most, both maybe positive and negative? Well, first, thanks for having me on, Missy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I would say the, the biggest thing that, you know, over the first 18 or so months of NIL that people really didn't, really didn't have on their radar screen that's become a huge factor in NIL and college sports in general is NIL collectives. Um, you know, when July 20, July 1, 2021 hit and college athletes are allowed to start monetizing their, their NILs, you know, people had in mind, you know, brand deals, um, promoting businesses on social media, being in commercials, um, going, making appearances, signing autographs, things like that. People didn't really envision that boosters of the school would get together, pool their money, create a separate business, 
And then that business would do its own deals with the athletes and then also help the athletes find the, the more traditional brand deals. So, you know, a huge number of, of deals that are happening right now are happening through NIL collectives. And there's just so much uh, NIL activity happening through the collectives. So that's, that's probably the, the biggest uh, thing that's happened since, since athletes have been able to monetize their NILs. And then another big development is just, you know, how, how involved schools are mm-hmm. in helping their athletes monetize their NILs, what kind of resources they're providing for their athletes, um, how supportive they are of collectives. Um, you know, there are some recent NIL guidance that came out from the NCAA that kind of deals with that stuff. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit yeah. more, but I would say those are kind of the two, two really uh, big factors over the first year, year and a half of NIL. Okay. So let's break down this collective concept, because I think it is one of those things that is um, it, it's, it's kind of hard to get your arms around it. And I think it comes down to creating sort of a, it, it's like a, a separate power base, so to speak, it seems like to me on a university campus uh, where you have everything that goes on with the athletic department and everything that happens with student athletes, all of the fundraising that they do from a university perspective that supports and runs their athletic department. But collective is then happening on a whole nother scale outside of that. Uh, so I guess what 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 has been your uh your take as people look at these collectives and then what has been the questions or the response from athletic directors and university leadership because there is a fine line there of support for what happens on a day-to-day basis at your institution but then how big of a deal nil has become yeah i think when collectives were first formed a lot of schools were very wary of them um, maybe didn't want them to be around at all mm-hmm. um, for two reasons. Number one, uh, it's, it, you know, for so long, boosters were not allowed to provide anything yeah. to athletes. You know, it's like, athlete, do not talk to the boosters. You can't take, a, you can't go out to eat dinner with them. You can't take a ride in their car. You can have no association with boosters whatsoever. Now the rules change. And then you have these boosters creating these separate entities mm-hmm. that are, entering into deals where they're paying the athletes. So it was just a, such a, a seed change from what the rules had been in the past. So I think people were very, very wary of that. And, you know, the boosters were kind of out here doing their own thing. Um, schools didn't know if they were following the rules that had been put in place by the NCAA in terms of recruiting, um, other deal structure rules that were in place. Um, and then you have, which you kind of touched on, you have the fundraising issue. Yeah. Um, you know, t- traditionally boosters give money to the school. School uses that for facilities, scholarship programs, um, everything that goes into running an athletic department. That money's all going to the school. Well, now you have these NIL collectives where the boosters, instead of maybe, let's, let's use round numbers, a million dollars. Maybe in the past, the booster was giving a million dollars a year to the school. Maybe now they're giving 500,000 to the school, 500,000 to the collective. In addition, you have these boosters talking to their other booster buddies and saying, Hey, we need to get money into this collective. So give money to the collective and maybe give less to the school than you were in the past. And so I I think schools were wary of that as well, because they're like, well, how are we going to keep funding our athletic department at the, at, at the level and providing all the resources we were in the past when 
we might be getting less money because more money is going over to this collective and they're doing who knows what with it. Um, over time, though, uh, schools, not every school, but a lot of schools have gotten more comfortable mm-hmm. um, with the collectives and have good relationships with the collective just because they've seen that the way college athletics are now and in recruiting. Yeah. If you don't have a, a collective that's you know creating opportunities for your athletes that are are there at your school. Um, it could hurt your recruiting for, for high school athletes. Yeah. So it's kind of become a thing that you, you have to have um, at your school. And so schools have kind of figured out how they're going to navigate the relationship with the collective, the fundraising, um, endorsing the collective, things like that. Well, and it, there's also seems to be that there's two types of collectives. I know that there are some places where it's a, I'm going to use the term for profit because that's going to be your basic, you know, brand endorsements, uh, business endorsement concepts. But then there are some that have moved over into the world of the quote unquote nonprofit collective, where um, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, dollars are pooled. We have a collective now. We're going to be able to give student athletes an opportunity to do nonprofit work, whether that's to um, sign autographs at a fundraiser for a boys and girls club uh, in their community or uh, hook up with a local nonprofit entity that's doing a canned food drive, lend their name, their, you know, be part of it, show up, take a couple pictures. And now they're, quote unquote, getting paid for that nonprofit work. Uh, That seems to be maybe where there's the more impactful side of it. But yet, I don't know if we really have a clear answer as to what's a better scenario, right? Is it the for-profit or the non-profit? They're all going to be intermixed, and they're all going to be part of this conversation for a long time. Yeah, like, like you said, they're really doing two things. So the, for, the for-profit collectives, uh, they take in the money, and they're either signing their own deals mm-hmm. with the athletes and then creating ways for athletes to monetize their NILs, whether that's creating appearances for the athletes autograph signings, going out and finding them more traditional brand deals. Then you have the for-profit side. On the for-profit side, most, or sorry, the nonprofit side, on the nonprofit side, most of those nonprofit uh, NIL collectives are organized where they're a 501c3 and they go out and partner with other charities and 501c3s. And their mission generally is to use college athlete NILs to raise money and bring awareness to these other charities. Right. And so the athletes are making appearances for, like you said, Boys and Girls Club or whoever, mm-hmm. and then the nonprofit collective is using money it's raised from boosters to pay the athletes for the time they're spending promoting these other charities. Right. And the reason that these nonprofit collectives really sprung up is because in the past, when a booster donates money to a school for athletic purposes, they're getting a tax deduction. Mm-hmm. So there've been a lot of boosters who have said, you know, I, I really like this NIL stuff. I'd love to help, but I'm not going to give you any money unless I get my tax deduction that I'm used to getting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people got creative and said, well, we can create these nonprofit collectives and here's how we're going to do it. And it makes it easier to raise money from boosters. So that's the main reason why you've seen, uh, these nonprofit collectives spring up. And then in additionally, they are, you know, getting athletes out in the community. Right. 
they're doing good things for other charities, um, which is good for those charities. Hopefully they're raising money for those charities, bringing awareness to them. And then also it just, um, you know, brings awareness to the athletes themselves of, you know, getting out in their communities, you know, as an athlete, sometimes you can get in your little bubble with just yeah. your team and your practice, you're busy at school, yeah. sometimes them out in the community, meeting other people, um, getting involved in charities, which is always a good thing. No, I think you're absolutely right. It, it puts another spin on it that I think, um, because in a lot of uh, athletic departments, you know, they, they don't have a huge staff. They can't always be thinking about community service. This does lift up your student athletes in, you know, a large or a small institution to give them some of those opportunities. And it does change the landscape, no doubt about it. And of course, everybody loves a tax write-off. So that becomes a big deal for a lot of folks. All right. Um, next, we're going to continue to talk about collectives. As we know, it's one of these biggest buzzwords on college campuses, what the NCAA has been talking about and how this has been impacting recruiting from both, I think, high school kids as well as the transfer portal, which is such a huge piece of what happens in college sports. But first, the holidays are coming for everybody, and I know that, so a lot of folks are going to be traveling. So one place that you can check out is Turo. It is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. You can book an SUV or a minivan for a family road trip, a pickup truck for errands, or even test drive an EV. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions do apply. Forget borrowing rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it is available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I am joined by Mitt Winter, one of the top NIL legal minds and attorneys in the nation. We have been talking about collectives. And Mitt, I was sitting there last night and I was watching, um, I had been watching the North Carolina-Iowa State women's game, and then it, it switched to, um, I believe, uh, it was going to be the Iowa State UConn men's game. They were filling. They were finishing up the Phil Knight Invitationals and Legacies out there in Portland, and there was a, a piece on ESPN, and they were talking about the big men in college athlete in college men's college basketball. But if I if they said it once, they probably said it four or five times. That the majority of these guys were still in college because of NIL. That we start talking about we start talking about value. We start talking about worth that there is more for them to stay in college another year, maybe another two years, then go to the go to the NBA draft, maybe be a second round, maybe even get a two-way contract, something completely different. So as you look at where everything has come in the last 18 months, number one, how big of an impact do you think it has been on rosters and guys and, and women in every sport staying where they're at but then also this trickle-down effect in the world of recruiting because it's such a huge piece of the puzzle now. Yeah, in terms of guys and, and girls staying in school longer, I think it's had, you know, especially in basketball, mm -hmm. I think it's had a big effect. Um, you know, an example of someone who you just mentioned, uh, Drew Timmy. Yeah. You know, if, if he went to the draft last year, you know, probably a second-round pick, um, and maybe is on a two-way contract, like you mentioned, and 
I don't know, he's making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but he stays at Gonzaga and I think he's already, you know, approaching a million dollars in NIL deals. Yeah. So he's making more staying at Gonzaga than if he would, uh, would have gone into the draft last year. Uh, he gets to, you know, stay and have fun with his buddies. Mm-hmm. Like Zaga again, they they have a really good team. Yeah, win um, doesn't have to deal with you know the stresses of being a professional. Gets to you know still be a college student, which I think a lot of people, you know, would would take if they're making more money, get to stay in college and have fun with their buddies, then go and be a professional and live that prof- professional life where you're you know traveling. It, it seems glamorous, but it's not always as, as glamorous as as people mm-hmm. think it is. <laughs> um, and then same with women's college basketball as well Um, you know unfortunately WNBA salaries are not as much as NBA salaries and so you know people like Paige Beckers Caitlin Clark Haley Jones at Stanford yeah a ton of money off of their NIL deals and you know they have deals with Gatorade and Nike and things like that and they're definitely making more money uh, in college through NIL deals than they would be as you know at least from a WNBA salary they could, you know, they probably still have brand deals as well on, on top of that. But um, so it's definitely had had a big effect on people staying in school, especially in basketball. Um, I don't maybe, you know, probably football as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're talking about basketball here. So it definitely yeah. has had, had a big effect <laughs> on basketball. Um, yeah. There was another part of your question. Well, I'm curious because I know there's there's. Um, in this world of NIL, and we talk about high school kids first, let's talk about recruiting and kind of where this lays out. Um, Let's talk about the high school side of it first, because I think, you know, we know that there's a lot of states around the, the, that when all of this started 18 months ago, that there were a lot of states that did not have any sort of legislation within their own state to allow a high school student to, you know, monetize name and image and likeness. And that that could make them a ineligible for high school athletics, but it could also impact recruiting. I, that all that that landscape continues to always alter. I think in every state that you that you see. But one of the things I think is interesting, and I guess my question to you and the people that you talk to, or and athletic departments that call and ask you questions, if I have a high school student athlete who has signed an NIL deal with a, maybe it's a sneaker company or what have you. And now all of a sudden I got to make a decision about where I'm going to go to school. Are we seeing some of those decisions impact recruiting specifically based on NIL, what they already have before they even get to college? Uh, Possibly. Um, One of the NCAA rules is that NIL deals are not supposed to serve as recruiting inducements. Obviously, that's not always being followed by, you know, collectives and, and others. Right. Um, but I think it probably is having some effect in terms of high school athletes. You know, there have been a few high school athletes uh, on the basketball side, a guy named DJ Wagner. He's like he's the number one recruit on the men's side. Um, he or he had a high when he was in high school. He's still in high school. He, had a, he has a deal with Nike mm-hmm. and he decided he's going to go to um Kentucky a Nike school um so that probably had some some influence on him um where where NIL is really coming in on the recruiting side is with the collectives like like I just mentioned okay um you know they're the NCAA put out a memo in May 
saying that collectives are not supposed to be involved in recruiting, um, reminded people that deals are not supposed to be um, recruiting inducements. Um, but like I said, especially on the collective side, mm-hmm. um, that's not necessarily being followed. And so with recruiting season kind of happening now, there are definitely collectives out there sending messages to to athletes that are in high school saying, you know, if you, if you come here, we'll have this this deal waiting for you or here's the deal if you sign with us now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's not as overt and, you know, can be within the rules depending on, you know, what coaches are doing. So if coaches know what their current players are getting from collectives or, or whoever else, they can take that information out when they're recruiting and say, hey, our current players are getting X amount of dollars from the collective. Mm-hmm. If you come here, you might have that same opportunity. They can't say if you come here, you're going to get this specific deal. Right. Um, it's like a lot of coaches are, are phrasing things that way, which is okay. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, within the rules, you just can't lay out a deal and say, here's, here's your deal. If you commit to our school, um, on the football side right now, it's a big deal because the transfer portal, um, you know, players can transfer and play right away. Right. And the football season is ending and people are expecting this December to be insane in terms of transferring and, and offers being thrown out by collectives. Um, so we'll see how overt some of it is. Um, it'll, it'll be really interesting. Uh, on the basketball side, one that you're probably very familiar with being a former K-State player was the Nigel Pack. Mm-hmm. Um, when he went to Miami, yeah. he got, you know, an $800,000 two-year deal um, from John Ruiz, big booster down there, has this company called Life Wallet that he runs a bunch of NIL deals through. And, and you know, he was really overt about it, put it on Twitter. You know, we signed Nigel Pack to a two-year $800,000 deal and committed to Miami. <laughs> you know, Miami's definitely gotten some heat from yeah. that. Um, and, probably, you know, aren't always happy with what Ruiz does, but that's, that's kind of what is going on in in recruiting, at least at some places with some collectives. Well, and I think at some point in time, I mean, you know, the genie is out of the bottle, right? So you're going to have a hard time putting some, you know, to create some guardrails and what have you, and then say, oh, well, you can't do that, but this is what you can do. I found it to be interesting. You know, there's been a couple head coaching announcements, um, especially in college football right now that they're, you know, the the topic of collective is in an introductory mm-hmm. press conference. I mean, that that is not something that you would have ever thought would happen 18 plus months ago. That, as you said, that the that it can be that overt and that we can just put this out there. And it's simply because they took off the guardrails. They took off the training wheels and said, go ahead and figure out what you guys are going to do. You're on your own. Yeah. Um, and the, ins- the reason that's happening is the NCA issued some, uh, let's see, this was last month, some new guidance talking about what you know types of resources schools can provide for NIL and what kind of relationship they can have with collectives. And it specifically said that schools can help collectives raise money and they can publicly tell boosters to donate money to collectives. And since that has happened, you've seen a lot of ADs and coaches and a coaching um, announcements, like like you just mentioned, yeah, you know, specifically call out and say, "Hey, here's our collective. 
please consider donating money to them. Um, or, you know, coaches and ADs have appeared at collective functions where there are other boosters there, you know, to talk up the collective and say, hey, we need your support, donate money. Um, you know, there's a lot of public information about this collective has raised $10 million. This collective has $13 million. And it's all it's all signaling to recruits like, hey, if you come here, we have this collective and they have this much money. And so you're going to have, you know, lots of NIL opportunities and lots of opportunities to potentially make money. Yeah. And it is, uh, it never, I don't think it is ever going to really stop. That is going to be a constant conversation. And I think, as you said, because of what the NCAA has said and that they've given the green light to think that collectives are, you know, we're, we're kind of living in that gray area, which is now what I think a lot of rules and regulations within the NCAA are. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's going to become a free for all. Yeah. Um, I mean, the interesting thing, the only thing that could possibly slow it down, at least at some places, is some people have, you know, wondered, you know, all these boosts, they put in all this money for this collective and they, they feel like it might be helping their recruiting, but then the team doesn't have any success right. on, on the, on the court. Yeah. Are they going to continually donate money to this collective where they're like, why am I giving money to this collective? I'm not really I'm not making money off of it myself. I'm not, I don't have like a lasting legacy, like my name on this building, or I, I helped fund this facility and there's something tangible I can see that I know is going to help the program for years to come. Mm -hmm. I gave money to this collective and this player got paid some money because of it. And that player stuck around for a year or two years and then transferred, or we didn't have success on the court. Are they going to continually give money to that collective? Yeah. Um, I think in some places, you know, that will just, it's going to be expected you're going to give money and there's plenty of boosters that have lots of money and that'll that'll be fine at some places it might not have a, as big of a booster base or as wealthy of a booster base yes you know you could see um collectives aren't able to continually raise money no i i think you're right and that it, it does come down to i mean when it's all said and done it comes down to dollars and cents and monetizing and figuring out where that fine line is going to be for both the institutions as well as i think the ncaa in general Okay, in just a moment, uh, we know female student athletes are setting the bar uh, very high in the NIL world. Why is that? And what are the trends for that continued growth? We're going to break that down with Mitt. But first, our friends at Prize Picks are making daily sports fantasy so easy for everyone. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less in their Prize Picks uh, projections, you can win up to 25 times your money at any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball. It could be NASCAR, tennis, MMA, Euro basketball. You pick it. They've got everything. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Pride the Prize Picks app and go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match to $100. I wish everybody the best of luck. I hope you pick them right. 
All right, Mitt Winter, uh, we've talked a lot about what the landscape is, how people are getting where they are, what the NCAA seems to think that they, you know, how this is going to look. The last 18 months, if there's one thing that is proven, um, it seems as though that female student athletes have found a niche. They have found a niche in this NIL world. Um, as you look back at this first 18 months, and I know that even, you know, some clients and people that you have represented have been female student athletes, what would have been the trends and what are, what are the questions that they ask? Um, well, yeah, as you mentioned, you've, we've seen female college athletes do really well in NIL and that's through a wide variety of sports as well. Like, yeah. um, you know, female gymnasts have done awesome. Um, in NIL, there's um, a gymnast down at LSU named Livy Dunn, mm-hmm. and she has, you know, I can't, I don't know what her exact number is, but it's in the millions of dollars yeah. that she's made off of NIL deals. Um, a lot of it is based on social media following, um, and a lot of the, the female college athletes have done an awesome job of, of growing a huge social media following, which a lot of brands like, obviously, the more eyeballs. Um, on their, their promotional activity. That's yeah. what the brands are looking for. Um, another good example is the Cavender twins mm-hmm. who are at Fresno state and then have since transferred to Miami. Um, another John Ruiz connection there. Yes. Um, they've, done, <laughs> they've done really well in NIL as well. Another, you know, they have a huge social media following as well. They've definitely made millions of dollars. Um, but then you have, you know, other like Paige Beckers, mm-hmm. who I mentioned earlier, as Gatorade deal, StockX deal, lots of other other brand deals. She's done really well. Caitlin Clark, Haley Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's others, um, but they have done uh, really well for themselves. Um, and then there are even a few collectives that have sprung up recently that are just for female athletes at specific schools. Um, okay. There's two, at least two that I'm aware of. One is at uh, Tennessee. It's called the, the Lady Fall Boost Her Club. It's kind of a, a, a fun play on the word booster. It's B-O-O-S-T-H-E-R. Okay. Boost Her Club instead of booster. Um, and they're, they're help, uh, helping facilitate NIL deals for all of Tennessee's uh, female athletes. And then another one just sprung up recently down for Wichita State called the Lady Shocks Club, I think is, is what it is. Okay. Um, just for you know help facilitating NIL opportunities for uh, Wichita State's female athletes. It, I went, I, I did a couple numbers. You've mentioned, we've mentioned Haley Jones and Caitlin Clark, both Nike athletes, Adidas with 15 female student athletes that they signed on with NIL deals. You know, those are some of the big names, but it seems to me, as you mentioned it, it kind of comes down to performance. I mean, people are going to be looking for someone who's going to have some kind of name recognition, et cetera, influence and that exposure and the influences social media and maybe, you know, not everyone's going to be like Paige Becker and be in a commercial for Gatorade, but there are going to be uh, female student athletes that have reached because of social media and that aspect, but also the exposure that they, you know, that these are going to be not only maybe about their market, but also about their sport. One of those names that jumps off, not necessarily related to women's basketball, but just as a female student athlete is Suni Lee, who was the Olympic gold medalist at the last Olympics in women's gymnastics. She goes to Auburn. They were thankful that they had NIL that had come to play because of what she could, uh, 
what she could monetize off an Olympic gold medal would have highly outweighed going to college, but she wanted that collegiate experience, but yet then still competes for them at Auburn with everything else that she has going on. Mm -hmm. So performance, influence, and exposure seem to be the key words when you start thinking about who is going to have success and who wants to take advantage of NIL. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's, it's a combination of, of all three of those. Um, obviously your performance on the court or whatever field, the, the gymnastics mat, um, mm -hmm. that's going to have a huge, uh, influence on whether companies want to do deals with you and yeah. value of those deals and the social media part. Um, and then just in general, women's college sports are such a growing market. Um, you see the TV viewership for things like the college world series, yes. uh, the softball world series. The, the women's basketball tournament, volleyball, those are all those numbers are all going up. They're on TV more. And so you're, that's going to lead to more deals for the female college athletes as well. Yeah, those are trends. Um, when you when you speak to prospective clients, people that come to you with questions, um, you know, whether it's their families or parents or whatever, you know, what are what are some of the questions that they ask you? You know, what or maybe what's been one of the craziest things that you heard of in the last few months? They just want to make sure that the deals they're signing are, you know, good deals. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them have a lot of legalese. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not a lawyer who's read through a contract with lots of legalese, you know, it's like a foreign language to you. The first time you're reading it, you're like, well, what's this mean? I don't understand this. I, I see the, the dollar figure. That's about all I get. I don't, you know, understand the rest of this stuff. Yeah. They just want to make sure, uh, you know, they're not being taken advantage of, mm -hmm. um, which, which is important. Yes. Um, because it's very easy for an athlete to sign a deal that might lock them in for a long time, giving away, you know, rights to their NIL, um, that they shouldn't be signing away. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the, especially when NIL was first allowed, a lot of the deals that were being given to athletes or proposed to athletes, you know, had some pretty bad terms. Um, you know, like this company could use your NIL in perpetuity, um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, didn't have ways for the athletes to terminate the deals or get out of the deals. Um, so it's, they're mo mostly just worried about, you know, looking out for things like that and just making sure uh, they're not being taken advantage of. Well, and that's another stressor. I mean, as, as you know, I mean, you've been there being a student athlete. It has a lot of, um, there's a lot of layers to being a student athlete at any level. And especially when you put this into it and, you know, some, I'm sure there are a lot of student athletes out there that say, yeah, this is something I want to do. Or, you know, I sign on with the collective. They're going to help me do a couple things a year and that's going to be it. Some people may just not even want the headache to begin with. You yeah. just never know. And to have that added stress of, well, did I sign my life away, so to speak, to, mm -hmm. you know, for the next eight years mm -hmm. when I won't be playing college basketball or being a college gymnast, you know, that becomes something maybe that not everybody necessarily wants to deal with. Yeah. And it's, it's been an issue as well, because, you know, if you're Paige Beckers or Suni Lee or Libby Dunn, who's making a ton of money off these deals, it makes sense financially to hire an attorney to review the deal before you sign it. Yes. A lot of these deals are for hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. Some are just for trade, free food, things like that. And if, if you're a college student and you're like, well, I'm going to make a hundred dollars off this deal, there's no way I'm going to go hire an attorney whose <laughs> hourly rate is going to be more than that. The yeah. value of the deal to review this deal. I'm just going to sign it, take my hundred bucks and, and not worry about it. Mm -hmm. um, but just because the value of the deal is small, doesn't mean the consequences of what you signed 
are not large. Um, so that's, that's been an issue. So there have been some law school clinics that have popped up where uh, college athletes can go to these clinics and get free legal representation. Um, the NCAA guidance that recently came out said schools are not allowed to provide free legal services to their athletes to review these deals. So it's going to fall on, you know, collectives can maybe help athletes. Mm -hmm. um, there are some attorneys who will do a pro bono, mm -hmm. um, the, the law school clinics, things like that. Yeah, I think the law school clinics would be great because yeah. you know, good experience on both sides. Exactly. And, and you know that there are people out there that are looking for help. And right. it can be an, a, a wonderful service that some of those institutions can provide. Yep. Um, all right. Now, for those of you that are on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Missy Hydric. You're going to want to follow the next um, hoops at, at the next hoops and also online. All my amazing colleagues who have basketball covered every day at www.thenexthoops.com. This podcast, we're locked on women's basketball. However, in order for you to stay up to speed, because I learned something new probably on like a daily basis from Mitt Winner's uh, Twitter account. So you can find Mitt Winner at Winner Sports Law. That's correct, right? That's the right one? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Uh, Mitt Winner, thank you so much. Uh, one of the top collegiate sports mind, law minds in the nation. Uh, Kenny Hertz Perry Law Firm right here in Kansas City. I really do appreciate your time. Um, and for, like I said, everybody follow Mitt on Twitter because like you will learn something every day. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on. Like, like you said at the beginning, I'm also a college hoops nerd. So <laughs> I'm talking NIL and, and college sports and basketball specifically with you today. Absolutely. It's been awesome. Well, I just want everyone also, please join me here on Mondays to talk everything college hoops and come back all this week for more episodes right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. We've got college basketball news and notes, international basketball news and notes, the moves across the WNBA. There's more hirings coming, everything. We've got you covered. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for watching and for listening. I know it's been Thanksgiving week. We're coming off all of that, so you've got to get ready. The holidays are right around the corner. And we've got you covered here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. We will see you again soon.